This special episode, this live episode, is uh, brought to you in part from High Bar Health. Find them online at highbarhealth.com with clinics in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. They are, well, just plainly raising the standard for physical therapy. Check them out again at that highbarhealth.com website, helping people feel better, move freely, and live fully. And that's not just their patients, that's clinicians as well. So thanks for High Bar for helping us support the live episode here at Sacred Heart. I love going to PT programs and recording the show live. It's fun. Uh, the energy is there when there's a live audience. Um, there's something different about the guests. They just, they, they're more excited, right? Because you can see the audience. And like right now, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, person listening to the podcast. But I can't see the whites of your eyes and I can't see you like confused or happy or laugh or anything. So it's definitely different when we do this. And um, it, it does a little bit something different for the guests as well. And hopefully it does something a little bit different for you. So if you like these things, let us know. Uh, at PT Pinecast on all the socials, or just email me, jimmy at ptpinecast.com. And it might seem like it's trivial, like, oh, why would I email this podcaster guy? But like, otherwise, I don't know. I'm just sitting here in my podcast studio, also known as my kitchen, and I'm just guessing. And, you know, if you're a PT, you're like, hey, science, like feedback loop. So, hey, if you like these things, if you hate these things... <laughs> Don't tell me, but don't just tell me you love them or hate them. Maybe like a little word about why or how I could improve. Because, you know, it's it's New Year's resolution time. I don't really do resolutions. I do more intentions. So, um, yeah, w one of them is improving. And the way to do that, I think, is to to ask your patients or your audience. And in this case, you're not my patient, but you're my audience. Anyway, uh, so I'll, we'll talk more about the uh, the episode that we recorded again. And I believe Sacred Heart has the record so far for the school we've been to the most. Uh, do want to thank the sponsors that have been with us that do keep us on the air. Uh, one is Physiotech, and this is an interesting question. Would you like to boost your clinic's revenue by 290 bucks per patient per quarter? Yeah, it's rhetorical. Of course you would. Remote therapeutic monitoring can do that. Physiotech makes it easy and scalable. Enhance patient outcomes, ease provider workload, and turbocharge your earnings. So you can do more stuff and do it easier. Uh, check it out now at physiotech.ca. That's physiotech.ca. And that thing that you interface with all the time, uh, an EMR or an EHR, yeah, you, I mean, they're called different things. Uh, you can revolutionize your practice with MW Therapies All-in-One Outpatient PT EMR. Uh, experience seamless integration of things that you know you need, but maybe you don't know how to get it, like a patient portal marketing automations, and billing, all in one EMR. Switching over is also a breeze at mwtherapy.com. And finally, my last uh, sponsor who's been with me for a while, here's a question. Where's your PT license going to take you? Embark on an extraordinary patient care adventure with Jackson Therapy. Dot com. That's Jackson Therapy Partners, perfect for physical therapists eager to make their mark. Discover where your skills can take you at jacksontherapy.com. And yeah, I think Sacred Heart does have the record. We've been there a bunch of times. I don't, I don't do well at counting. Uh, but the live show energy is always strong at Sacred Heart, so we're looking to do more of these in 2024. So without further ado, let's go live to Sacred Heart. Three, two, one. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. 
There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, future healers, movers, and shakers of the physical therapy profession, welcome to a very special live episode of PT Pinecast right here at Sacred Heart University. I'm your host, Jimmy McKay, and tonight we're not just breaking down the world of PT, we're rebuilding it with insights, laughter, and maybe a few surprises along the way. We've got a lineup that's more than exciting than in finding an empty treatment room during peak clinic hours. We know how that feels. We're diving into the deep end of physical therapy with four incredible guests who are shaking things up in the PT universe. So strap in, charge up your goniometers, make sure it's plugged in. That's what you tell the first year. You tell them, charge up the goniometers. That works every time. Put your hands together for an evening filled with stories, insights, and maybe a few ankle mobility exercises. Are you ready? Then let's roll. Put your hands together for our first guest. First guest, a clinical director at Spear Physical Therapy, a beacon of optimism and passionate advocate for maximizing personal and professional potential. From his journey as a Sacred Heart alumnus to leading Spear's growth in Manhattan and Westchester, his story is not just about clinical excellence, but about inspiring transformation within and beyond therapy room. Welcome, Tom Barsha. Tom, thanks for being first, because everybody's always like, who's going to go first? And I always like, I'm looking people in the eye, and I'm like, who is not avoiding eye contact? And you were that person. So I appreciate that. This is also how uh, professors call on students, by the way. So if you avoid the eye contact, that's actually when you're going to get called on. Uh, so Tom, welcome to the show. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, I'm in radio, so we understand how to turn the microphone on. Thank you for having there me. There we go. Same All right, here. perfect. Let's just pull that a little bit closer. There we go. Uh, so, Tom, uh, what do you believe are key expectations a new grad should have when starting their careers in physical therapy? Because how long ago did you graduate? Uh, four and a half years. So you're still in that sort of bubble where you still feel, you know, you still got the rind on. You're still a little bit fresh. But now you get to do something a little bit different at Spear, which is sort of usher in some um, student physical therapists, to clinicians, to new grad PTs. So talk about the key expectations new grads should have when starting their careers. Because right now, the third years, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. But it might be a train. Watch out for that. I know, don't get, a, don't get too excited. It might be a train. So what should they be focused on as they become the thing that they've been studying to become for a billion years? Sure. So the first thing is, you should definitely, upon graduation, study hard, pass that board exam. Once you pass it, celebrate it. But then the reality is you got to continue to learn as you continue to embark on your career. Um, things to expect upon graduation. You are now in the driver's seat. Um, you're going to be studying to not pass tests now, but studying to get people better. Uh, the whole imposter syndrome is totally a legit thing. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so we have actually a newer grad with us in the office. She's been there three months now, and she's getting over that hurdle. You know, now she is responsible for the patient care. Uh, and you're going to have to continue to dive in and enhance your skills with communicating a lot. So some of what you learn clinically now is totally going to benefit you as you start your career. But a lot of the soft skills you're going to have to continue to develop as you embark on your career. Man, why are soft skills so damn hard? <laughs> right? We were, we were having a conversation with the faculty before. It's like soft skills. I mean, how, I don't know who decided the marketing of soft skills would be that, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a thing, right? I mean, how easy it is, how easy is it to explain something when you're in a practical or to a classmate who has the same level of education, but now you have to do it to people who have sometimes no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, it poses its own challenges, and that's where, depending on what 
area of physical therapy you get into, um, you know, you just have to have proper expectations upon going in. So with that, you know, it's part of the interviewing process to understand, it, depending on this, the setting you're in, what is going to be expected of you. So that would be the first thing is to actually meet with potential employers and understand what that job is going to entail. Uh, so for us, I'm an outpatient uh, physical therapy. So in that, we're in a network company as well. So it's understanding what's it like to work for a self-paid place versus an in-network place versus out of network. Um, and then diving further, what does success look like for me here? Um, so I think it, in, answer, in asking those kind of questions, you'll then start having an idea of what the roadmap looks like for you. Yeah. What does success look like for me here is a fantastic question because if the person can't answer it, uh, that is a red flag, right? So there, there used to be, I remember you know, when I graduated from undergrad a lot of years ago, um, the thing was make sure you have one question to ask because you want to look like you were prepared for the interview. And what I stress now is, and you tell me because you're on the interviewing side, not the interviewee side, which is this is as much of you, the student or new grad, interviewing the organization as it is them interviewing you. Do you I mean, I'm making that statement. Is it true or false? 100% true. All right. Yeah. The whole point of an interview these days is really to, to be a back and forth conversation. Um, the people who will sit in front of us and who will impress someone like myself, someone who did do the research, uh, at this point, especially for Spear, I mean, we have our website. I'm expecting that a client who, yeah. or a, a student who would really want to work for us did their research. They know about our values. They know about where we're located. They know we're already an in-network company. Those yeah. kind of questions. Yeah, the, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was, um, you know, make sure before you go on a job interview that your, you know, your social media feed doesn't have anything questionable or something you wouldn't want to have to uh, judge you without you being there. Um, so it's never been easier, though, to sort of look in and be a little voyeuristic towards an organization and see what, pay attention to what they do, not what they say, right? So show me what, show not tell. So what should, what should students be looking for? Let's get specific. Let's get objective. Sure. Yeah, I think what's important is as you're going to start looking to start your career, transparency is huge. So when looking for your first job, things like going into shadow to actually see mm -hmm. what the flow is like in the potential clinic or in the hospital, etc. Um, and then as far as things to expect, so if you're an outpatient physical therapy, uh, things like getting mentorship upon graduating, things like what are your productivity standards, uh, your clinical caseload like, um, what are your hours like? Uh, there's there's so much really to understand even when it comes to benefits things like that Yeah, asking to shadow like that's come up before is that too much of an ask though? Like it, you know if you were interviewing someone in the crowd They're like, I, you know, I want to come in and I want to take a look because Somebody can sort of fudge it in an interview But a couple hours in is when things start to break down and you start to see, you know, real real Is that too much of an ask from an interviewee? Definitely not so okay. I would say you're gonna stand out if you ask to do things like that at least in that kind of that's how we operate because ultimately just like you're going to be interviewing the place you're going to work for we're also interviewing you we want to make sure that it seems like a good fit yeah. culturally yeah so you talk about good fit so organizations you're not looking to hire everybody that walks through the door because a bad fit is going to negatively affect the person that took that job and invested in that but it's also going to affect the organization so let's get more objective right when you get an offer right, or you're weighing offers between two organizations, it's really easy to look at the bold, numbery thing next to the dollar sign at the bottom. And that's easy to compare. But there's other things that they should be looking at, and those are more subjective or objective but harder to see. What are some of those things beyond the bottom line? 
Sure. So things beyond the bottom line. And that's something to be mindful of because right now what's nice about physical therapy profession, it, it is sort of advancing and compensation is starting to go up, which is great. Beyond that, though, you really want to try to find places that potential have clinical growth options for you and with continuing education. Um, someone like myself, because I was in these seats four and a half years ago, I knew I wanted to come out and grow in leadership. Uh, that's something that Spear was able to offer me through a future leadership program. So I would say that the career growth is something to look into. Um, clinical growth is something to look into. And then objectively, too, like the mentorship program, diving deeper in, what does that actually look like? Because people may say they offer it. Yeah. Is it biweekly? Is it monthly? Does it even get on your schedule? Um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that, that mentorship you know, phrase is everywhere, but ask what that actually looks like. Again, if they can't answer, a little bit of a red flag. All right. So another red flag or another you know, hot topic that comes up a lot, especially on the social medias, is, uh, is burnout. Right. So how we balance this thing. So talk about how you might advise a new grad who maybe was working with you or maybe was sitting out there in the audience or listening to sort of have a healthy balance between being productive. Right. You want to be the best clinician you can be. And you also want to be a really good human to the other people in your life. Yeah. Uh, burnout has definitely been talked about a lot over the last few years yeah. when it comes to the physical therapy uh, world. Uh, to avoid it, I mean, I think the first thing is really just figuring out what you're passionate about, um, setting goals around what you're passionate about. And then, so like Simon Sinek references the whole start with why. So remember why you got into this field, even from the start, uh, to help you avoid the burnout. Because there's going to be days you go into the clinic and you're feeling really good. It's still nice to remember why you got in the field, especially though on those days where maybe you're feeling a little bit tired or something. Remember why you got into the field. It's usually for all of us in here to be able to go and help others. Um, I think that that is definitely important. And then with burning out, um, so in an outpatient setting for us, utilize your team. Uh, so have, com uh, have conversations. I would say seek the people in the clinic who seem like they're doing well, seem like they have a good work-life balance. Things You got to find the root cause of what your burnout is, and that's going to be individual to all of you. Um, so things like you may be actually burnt out because it's taking you an hour to write an eval note, or it's taking you 15 minutes for a follow-up, and had you just talked to Jimmy who's the other PT, and it takes him 20 minutes to write his eval and five minutes to write a follow-up, just hanging out with him for a little bit is going to help you spend less time in documentation, and all of a sudden, maybe you're not burnt out anymore. Yeah. It may be having conversations with clients. You're getting a little frustrated. You just have a new patient who came in, and you're finding your patients are only sticking with you for like three sessions. It's learning. Oh, well, you know, what is Jimmy doing well here? How does he keep his people through their whole plan of care? So utilize your team to help you know, ultimately achieve success. Yeah, I use ChatGPT for all those things. Yeah. Are you a real PT? Am I a real PT? I don't know. I actually just use voice to text and do that. It's, you should. You could have saved yourself a lot of time, right? You don't have to study this weekend. You're set. Make plans. Um, <laughs> communication skills comes up all the time, and I just chuckle because it didn't make any sense until it makes perfect sense, right? So I went to school for communication. I remember the first, like, do you guys still do this? Like the first day in first year, everybody goes around the room, they do the icebreaker, maybe the colors game, you guys do the colors game or whatever. And I remember I was at the back of the room and a guy I had just moved in with was sitting next to me. We hadn't even hung out yet, but we're going around the room and everybody's like, bio major, where were the bio majors? Bio majors, right? And you got a health care, right? And you guys do three plus three. So you guys were PT, like from, from birth. They get to me. And I, and I say, uh, for the last 15 years, I was uh, locked in a padded room and I talked to people that I couldn't see. And then everybody turns around and look at the nutball they let in. And I was like, I was a radio DJ. So it didn't fit until it fits. 
So communication, these soft skills we mentioned before, right? And how, how crucial are they in terms of, you mentioned building dynamics, seeking mentorship, right? Between fellow therapists, not just with patients. That's gotta be big because those coworkers, those colleagues are gonna be there more often and longer than patients. Yeah, uh, setting expectations and then communication are super important as you're going to be starting your careers. From the communication piece, it is being able to have conversations with your patients. But it is also, depending on your setting, your ability to communicate with your team. Um, learning how to best communicate with fellow PTs, maybe OTs, the nursing staff if you're in a hospital, the doctors. Um, in an outpatient setting, also your ability to communicate with therapist technicians or PTAs, your care coordinators, a company like ours, you know, there's some authorization sheets you got to do. You better make friends with your authorization oh, team and yeah. things like that because uh, they could definitely help make your life a lot easier. People in, in billing, important, right, because putting information in. Also, that's how you get paid. Make sure that you, the people with the paperwork, best friend. When they ask for something, you over-deliver, right? Um, are you ready to play overrated, underrated? Let's do it. Overrated, underrated. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. Got to get the branding in there. All right, Tom, overrated, underrated. You just tell me which one you believe and then give me a little bit of why. Overrated, underrated, specializing early in your PT career. I would say underrated. All right, why? Uh, or sorry, I'm going that's overrated. Okay, overrated, that's right. Overrated. Got it. I would say you're starting your career. You just went to potentially six, seven years. I would get your repetitions in. I would say just util be open to learning and maybe trying the outpatient setting, maybe doing an, diff an inpatient setting, finding what you in practicing, you'll eventually find what you like. So don't just specialize from the get-go. I would say diversify a little bit. Overrated. All right. Uh, overrated. Underrated. The role of social media in personal and professional development. Is it overrated or is it underrated? That's tough. Uh, I think that it's underrated. I like it. Keep I think going. it's growing. Uh, it's important uh, to build a network. Um, I think that there's a lot of value in our ability to build a brand through some of the content that you could put out. Uh, I also think that social media is a great way for each other, for us as professionals to be sharing content. My feed on my Instagram is a whole lot of exercises. Yeah, always learning. Overrated, underrated, traditional mentorship programs and physical therapy practices. Are we going that's residency or just like mentorship in general? I don't know. I just wrote this in the write-in. Let's just... Uh, Whatever right. you want it to be. Sure, sure. I would say, again, it's underrated. Okay. Um, that's something that's super important upon starting your careers. Good mentorship uh, is going to help you develop in, into your career. All right. Make sure you answer this next one correct because, Dan, your boss is probably listening. Uh, overrated, underrated, the importance of workplace culture in a clinical setting. It's definitely, it's underrated. There you go. Good. Yeah. Uh, the company culture is ultimately super important. If you're going to be going into work every day, you might as well try to enjoy that culture. That's the importance of going on interviews, doing things like shadowing, making sure that that company seems like a good fit for you, and also to be able to bring your personality into that setting. Um, that's just how the teams keep growing and getting stronger. Yeah, it's important. You're going to spend a lot of time with these people. Last thing we do with each guest is called the parting shot. This is the parting shot. All right, parting shot, your last uh, chance for a mic drop moment or soapbox statement. What do you want to leave with the audience? Let's see. I would say to 
after this, I would, if you haven't already, listen to Simon Sinek's video on Start With Why, especially as you're about to kind of enter into this field. Find what you're passionate about. Uh, I would say that in this whole field of like burnout to think about your having more of an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. Don't be someone looking at the glass half full. I would look to see that glass full. Um, Upon graduation, it's going to be hard work, but if you put in the hard work, you'll definitely reap the benefits from all this uh, schooling. Let's hear it for Tom. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, we got more stuff to give away. Tom, grab a seat down there. Don't go anywhere, but just grab a seat down there. Next is 691283. You have to top how it. Oh, there we go. The girl next to the other girl that won? It's got to be, but I pulled it. It can't be rigged. What's your name? Gianna. Drink with care, Gianna. Drink with care. All right. All right. Hey, way to start that off. That was fantastic. Good. All right. We got that out of the way. Nothing cat catastrophic happened, so let's get to our next guest. Uh, a dedicated pediatric physical therapist and the pioneering director of a developing pediatric residency program here at Sacred Heart University. With her expertise as a board-certified clinical specialist and a strong advocate for evidence-based practice, our guest is transforming the landscape of pediatric PT through education and innovative clinical approaches. When, welcome, Lindsay, to the show. <laughs> Hold on a minute. For the podcast audience, because we are videoing, but we don't have the camera on the crowd. I want you to paint the picture of what we're looking at. Start with these. You, you've got poster. You brought a. Is this your squad? Uh, yes, it's my. Uh, it's my cheering section. All right. <laughs> so the, oh, oh, you are t tutorial leader. I was a tutorial leader. And then leader. what do we got here? You read that for the podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, slay Lindsay hashtag PPT. Yeah. The, with the Show sign. that to everybody else. You made that. <laughs> All right. Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. In your intro, you're doing something that uh, doesn't happen often, which is launching something and creating something that does not exist, and then it will exist, uh, developing a pediatric residency program. What are the things that are not on the brochure that you didn't know would come up in creating a program such as this? I'm sure there's lots of paperwork and meetings and whatnot, but what are the things that came up that you're like, hmm, did not see this coming? Uh, I think, you know, there's so many great uh, pediatric residency, you know, programs out there, and we're trying to uh, make and build a great curriculum and program that's going to stand out and, you know, provide, um, you know, an avenue for developing the future pediatric specialists that are going to be dedicated to evidence-based practice. So we've been building partnerships together between Sacred Heart University and Connecticut Children's, and it's been a really rewarding experience so far. How many uh, cu curriculum hours are dedicated towards Nerf guns? <laughs> I should I should add that more to the curriculum. Right I, now, none. So right now, none. <laughs> Nerf is located. Their headquarters is located not far away. I just made that up. I have no idea where Nerf is located. <laughs> but you believe me for a second. You were like, really? Didn't know that. I was a Pete's PT as well. Well, at first I started outpatient and was working with like triathletes and Navy SEALs and blah, 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 a lot of testosterone. And I was like, I don't. I don't love this. And then I reached out to someone. This also like networking, right? Reached out to a Pete's PT locally cold that I met at like a networking event. And I was like, hey, I have no experience in Pete's PT. Could I come shadow you? And she was like, you know, we have an opening. And I was like, I have no experience in Pete's PT. And she said, great, you have no bad habits. And then I was a Pete's PT for like two years. And we were talking before the show. I'll say it now. I'm brave enough. 
I'm, every day I went to work in uh, hiking pants that zipped off. You can't wear those outside the Pete's Clinic because you get made fun of when adults see you wear them. But kids think that is the coolest fashion. Like your shorts become pants or your pants become shorts. And I was like, well, yes, they do. But we also had a Nerf arsenal, which I missed greatly once you leave that. But um, I've told too much about myself. These are actually not zip off, I swear. These are actual pants. Uh, let's talk about post-professional education. Obviously, it's something you're near and dear to your heart. In the context of PEDS physical therapy, how do you look at the importance of post-professional education if someone is like, uh, this is what I want to do, I know I want to specialize, or you can stay within PEDS, how important is it to do that post-professional education, and then when should they do it? Right away? Wait a while? Does it, it depends? Does that creep, does that creep in? Um, yeah, I am an advocate for pediatric residency education. I'm a residency grad myself. Um, I'm also a new grad residency graduate. So I went right after PT school, knew I wanted to do pediatrics, and jumped right into my pediatric residency program. So I am definitely a proponent of if you know that you want to specialize and it's something you're passionate about, then finding that structured mentor uh, mentorship I think can be really valuable for you. However, there's also great opportunities for mentoring programs outside of just residency program, particularly if you're thinking about potentially um, different avenues of specialization or different things that you're interested in. Also smart to say that it's important first because you're developing a program and people might want to apply to that program. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right, good. <laughs> Perfect. But obviously that's sort of a softball question, right? But I wanted to hear, th I wanted to hear the why behind, yeah, we have a program you should apply. Like there needs to be some depth there. You got to go make sure you go a little, a little bit deeper. Um, EBP, we're lifelong learners. I think I read, maybe we could do it on the social medias. You can do it in other, other ways too. How do you stay up to date evidence-based practice in pediatric PT, specifically maybe around family-centered goals and task specificity? That's got to be really important, especially working with kiddos. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, pediatric practice can get um, sometimes muddled with um, cool technology or, you know, cool... Nerf guns. Keep going. Nerf guns. Uh, <laughs> and really what it comes down to is family-centered goals, um, task-specific functional training is what we know is best practice. So I think sticking and, you know, reading your literature and seeing how to accomplish that successfully is what's mo most important. And the way that I keep up with that literature is by making sure I uh, attend conferences, um, the pediatric uh, annual conference through the Academy of Pediatrics. Um, staying up to date through these, you know, presentations is really gonna is what's gonna drive your specialty care. Yeah. What's uh, what's something out there that you'd recommend? Like specific? Like who who do you look for? Like who's on your Mount Rushmore of like when you see this name, you're like, oh, I am gonna put that in Zotero or whatever you guys use to store things. <laughs> um, so I'm anything that comes out of um, uh, Dr. Dusing or any of the big pediatric uh, literature uh, researchers, um, Reggie Harborn, are are is anything that I'm reading um, for you know, uh, advancing my care for patients. You can fangirl. It's okay. They're probably listening. <laughs> I am fangirling for them, yes. <laughs> uh, explain, uh, explain your role in the Center for Motion Analysis. I didn't, I didn't mention that in, in the intro, but so explain sort of what it is and how this contributes to the field of pediatric physical therapy. So give, give us some context. Yeah, so um, I wear a few hats. So I'm developing the residency program, but I also still work at Connecticut Children's where I work with um, pediatric patients, but I also work in the Center for Motion Analysis there, which is a new role for me. Um, and essentially this is a... Um, 
uh, someplace where patients can be referred with gait dysfunction, where they undergo a really comprehensive gait analysis, including 3D analysis, so kinematic, uh, kinetic analysis of their gait, where we will then work with uh, the physician, the orthopedic surgeon, to come up with a surgical decision plan, uh, which is more informed by an advanced clinical examination as well as 3D analysis. All right. So you sort of like took my next question, but that's cool. But kids aren't small adults. That was one thing that was like impressed no. upon me. It was like, I know they're smaller and I know they have, you know, most of the same parts, but they're not just small adults and you no. can't treat them that way. So what are the big differences or the things that you're looking for? What are, what are the things that creep in that when you're doing this motion analysis or you're suggesting surgery, not surgery, if so, what, what are the things that people might not notice at first glance? So I think a thing that's really important as a pediatric PT is to understand developmental biomechanics. Uh, pediatric gait is different and it changes as we age. So that's something we have to consider when the kids come into the lab. And that's where our uh, formal or kind of more advanced clinical exam comes in. So we're doing a really in-depth biomechanical assessment where we know the norms based on ages. And then we can use that information to then look at their gait and decide what might be typical or atypical. Do the kids just absolutely dig it? Because like, that's got to be cool to see them on screens imagining yeah. now they're a video game or something. They just probably dig it. Exactly. They, a lot of them say they look like a robot and they get really excited when they see them on there. And then you do the robot probably because kids like that too. Exactly. Yeah. So whenever you're ready, we're just going to have a replacement. <laughs> no, just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Maybe, okay. maybe later on we'll do that. <laughs> All right. So we talked a lot about past or things that, that you've done in your past, right? Uh, professional education, present, what you're doing now. Let's look at future, future of pediatric PT education. What are your visions? What are your goals? We're recording this now in December 2023. When you, if you read, if you listen back on this in a couple of years, what will you hope to achieve and hit? Um, I'm hoping that we're having a, uh, a really functional and thriving pediatric residency totally. program between Good. Sacred Heart University and Connecticut Children's. And I hope we're advancing, you know, the field of pediatric physical therapy to become, you know, even more um, evidence-based for all the kids that need us. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to hold you to the number, but what percentage of, of kids who need PT are getting it? Like how, how much room do we have to grow? Where's the ceiling? How, how much can we go? Um, I think there's big room to grow. Um, you know, there's a push in the pediatric academy to also have kind of a wellness exams as part of pediatric physical therapy practice. So I think even that would give us a huge ceiling of getting access to more kids out there. Yeah. Trying to get that sponsored by Nerf could be a game changer. So <laughs> I'm going to think about that. Uh, it's time now for three questions. Are you ready for three questions, Lindsay? I'm ready. Let's do that. On the hot seat with three questions on the PT Pinecast. All right. Three questions. Uh, as a third degree black belt in martial arts, you seen how I snuck that in there? Did the squad know? Did the squad know? Hello. Fangirling. I'm getting, we do our research. Third degree black belt right here. Um, how has that discipline influenced your approach to physical therapy and patient care? Yeah, so uh, I started teaching kids at a really young age. I think I was 14 or 15. Um, and in that type of environment, I had to learn how to uh, be fun, but then also when I needed to be maybe a little bit more serious. Uh, and I got to learn how to work with kids, uh, you know, really young. And I think that's changed how I influence working with kids and parents now in more of a clinical basis. She just blew that girl's mind. She was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Write that down. You got to put more of your stuff on social media. <laughs> Second question of three questions. If you hadn't pursued a career in physical therapy, what other profession might have captured your interest? Where would you have gone? Ninja? What are we thinking here? <laughs> Probably not ninja. Um, my uh, younger sister has disabilities, and that's how I got involved in this field to begin with. Uh, so I think if I didn't pursue physical therapy or pediatric physical therapy, I probably would have pursued some sort of field in advocacy for uh, disability rights. All right. And I love asking this question, right, for moments, because this is about people, right? People helping people. So 
favorite moment or rewarding moment from your pediatric PT practice? This is probably a hard question because there's probably so many, but give me one. Yeah, uh, this one actually happened recently. Um, I was working with a patient. Uh, I was using all those things I just talked about, functional training, um, and unfortunately, the you know the patient just didn't tolerate that much. Um, but we used a lot of caregiver education and more of a coaching model to help them reach the family center goals. And we were coming towards the end of our time together, and it, you know we decided that it was time for a break. And I was upset because I thought that this family wasn't really happy with me because we didn't do anything fancy, and you know I didn't know how they felt about it. And our last session, um, the caregiver had tears in her eyes, and she said to me, thank you for helping me and my family. Oof. Yeah, there it is. I was waiting for the awe. <laughs> you can have a collective awe. That's fantastic. That's got to make, I mean, that's yeah. got, that, that could drive you. That could keep you warm in the winter in it, Connecticut for a long time. I think, I think that's what prevents the burnout, right? It's, yeah. It's those moments right there. So how can you seek more of those out? Like, what's the magic to get the magic? Is there magic? I think as much as you, the more you put in, the more you get those great moments out. See, that's a parting shot right there. Let's <laughs> let's hear it for let let's. Oh, we got to do parting shot. Your legit parting shot. Is that your parting shot? That could be my parting shot. I have to play the sound effect. This is the parting shot. Say it again. The more you put in, the more you get out. And now everybody cheers. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do one more giveaway. Yeah, you got to shake it up. Just, these girls are running the game here. Can't be that girl or that girl because that's not shuffle it up. All right, just put that on my chair. Yeah. Did you bring a butt, a, a, a shovel and the butt? All right. 691-286. There we go. All right, good. Pint glass. There we go. Congratulations. I try, you know, I'm not even checking tickets. I don't know how to do that. That's math. All right, you guys ready for our next guest? Let's do this thing. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, a seasoned physical therapist and adjunct professor here at Sacred Heart University with a rich 35-year journey in various therapeutic settings. <laughs> a master in weaving integrative therapy into rehabilitation. I had a thesaurus for Christmas last year. She brings an enlightened perspective on mind-body wellness, myofascial release, and the power of mindfulness and healing. Welcome, Joanne, to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. I don't have a squad like Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, it's early in the show, though, because I mean, you might have a squad by the time we leave. All right. All right, Joanne, uh, welcome to the program. I want We're going to jump right into the deep end here. Okay. All good. right. I want you to share how integrative, integrative, second one, yeah. therapy practices like myofascial release, Reiki, complement traditional physical therapy and rehabilitation. We're rocking boats right we off the bat. We are rocking boats right off the bat. So why, first of all, why are we rocking boats when I say some of those words? Like, it, 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 what, rubs people the wrong way? They're confused? Well, I what think is it? traditionally alternative therapies were considered a little woo-woo, um, but what we're talking about is integrative therapy where okay. it is... Right now, there's a lot of research being done on these topics of mindfulness, uh, body work, how it's affecting the chemistry of the body. There's, through NIH, there's a division of the National Center of Integrative Health run by this uh, physician, Dr. Langerhan, and she is a medical doctor but an acupuncturist. And so they're funding multidisciplinary research right now, and it's amazing. So they're, they're looking at clinicians doing their techniques, mobilizations, how much force, how much time, having the chemist work with analyzing the data that they take from the tissue, looking at functional MRIs, PET 
scan. So we are in the thick of it. It's really an exciting time. Well, now it's a time when we can actually, we're getting better at measuring things exactly. and testing things. So now we can find out, you know, is it just right. what we think or feel or is it actually, what's, what's it doing? What's the mechanism? Exactly. Yeah. And we're whole people, right? We treat our patients as therapists. We consider the whole person. But when we're learning about how to handle our cases, sometimes we have to reduce information down into sections. But the silos of how to handle the body are no longer working. So we're having combined uh, ability to look at combined systems in the body and how it's interfacing with each other. Well, if you've, if you've been around PT long enough and I mean, still in school, you've heard this term like silos, right? Very much verticals. And it sounds like you're talking more about horizontals and things that cross instead of just being straight up and down. Right. It's more sort of weaving. Like the hand motion. <laughs> very much. Go. Yeah. Fascial system and whole person health, which you just talked about. How does understanding and working with the fascial system promote overall health? And then we'll get into what's the significance of this gentle approach in myofascial release taught by someone we're going to talk about, John Barnes. So um, for me, I, you know, I went to school many years ago, and then I went got my master's in ergonomics and biomechanics. I was very black and white in my approach, to be quite honest. And I worked on a trauma unit in New York City, so I saw a lot of things going on. And I was always impressed by how you could have two people have the same kind of quote-unquote diagnosis, but their outcomes so different. Um, and I think that as we consider the body as a whole system, the connective tissue is throughout the body. And so the International Fascial Congress has come together and said, it's not just the thoracolumbar fascia or the plantar fascia. That's a tissue. But our system, our connective tissue, is throughout the body, loose or dense, right? Remember semester one? Functional, uh, practical information. But it's our body is an integrated system. Our lymphatic system is deeply woven into that tissue and it's a fluid system so we're accessing the whole system when we're talking about the fascial system all right you're talking about things crossing over right you said it's not black and white mm -hmm. things cross so let's talk about mind and body right we focus a lot on anatomy physiology form and function right how things work but every patient you work with most likely will have a mind um <laughs> explain the synergy the, the crossing over between body work like massage or craniosacral therapy and mind body practices like yoga or pilates in achieving patient wellness not just a diagnosis wellness but patient entire wellness so when your patients come to you, you know, you hear in, in the news and in our society right now about mind-body work or meditation or mindfulness. It's how our brain is helping us to mitigate the stressors. We're not going to take away stressors in life. But what we can do is figure out how is it that we can handle our stressors and have more resilience in our day-to-day -day life. How do we do that? Well... Just yesterday, I was just talking about there was a lecture through this integrative health uh, community at NIH. A uh, physician up at Mass General right now, he's a cardiologist, but he's doing integrative uh, um, work where he's looking at functional MRIs, PET scans, in the body, what's happening in the, in the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex? How is it affecting bone marrow? How is it affecting the spleen? How is it affecting then you developing arterial uh, sclerosis because of inflammatory markers? They right now have two projects going on about mindfulness. So what does this mean for us? Our patients are coming in, they're in pain. They're 10 out of 10 pain, right? If you come at them and you come in hard and say, okay, we're gonna do this trigger point release, before you've allowed them to downregulate their central nervous system, get them into their parasympathetic mode. 
then you can access the tissue and allow them to feel safe for healing. Expectations are important. So how do you broach this with a patient who that you just described? 10 out of 10 pain, but they're expecting physical therapy. You, aren't you going to do something to me? 100%. Where's the thing? So how do you bring that up? Thank you for asking this that. This is what I do for a living. I'm a we real all PT, breathe, right? We all breathe. Currently, yes. So whether you're in acute care or you're in the outpatient setting, having your patient focus on the breath for even two or three deep breaths as you gently put your hands on them immediately allows them to downregulate. Think about what's happening in the scalene in the sternocleidomastoid. It's an accessory breathing muscle. If you take them out of this sympathetic state and get them to relax just by coming into the diaphragm with their breath, and you have your hands up on their neck, you feel that scalene and that sternocleidomastoid let go. So we all have a breath, it's a superpower, and if you can get people to engage and become mindful about their breathing, you've given them a gift for life. Yeah, well you, you sort of touched on what my next question was, which is tactics, right? So that's strategy, but employing it in daily practice. How does somebody get in the routine or in the process of where and when to use this? So when it comes to mindfulness and meditation, there are formal practices. You've heard of people saying, oh, I meditated 15, 20 minutes, I do it when I go home, I journal. Those are formal practices, but you can have informal practices that help to sort of connect you into a quiet space. So what I do, for me personally, we all have to wash our hands between patients, right? And so you have a caseload, maybe you have 10 patients to see. Between each patient, I wash my hands. I kind of give myself that moment because you got to do it anyway. You got to wash your hands. Let go of what you just were in and get yourself reset for what you're about to do. So then you can truly have a therapeutic presence and connect with the person in front of you. They need to know that you're with them and that shared presence in that moment can make a huge difference in terms of how we connect. Yeah, people can tell when you're rushed. They oh, know yeah. that. And if you are, and you will be, right? You will be. It's a busy... How, how do you reset? That's the, And that's what you're saying, which yeah. is find the place, the time and place, right. right, to be able to do that and then build it into, bake it into the cake is make sure that happens. Yeah, and it, bake it into the cake in the steps that you know you have to do every day, right? Because people say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy right. for this, too busy for that. But you know what? Five minutes... If you can, instead of um, eating your lunch as you do your notes, give yourself time to actually eat, downregulate a little bit. Then if you need to finish your notes, fine. Yeah. But every clinic that I have worked in, we have all done it. And then by 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm wiped out because I haven't had any time to reset. Yeah. So give yourself the five minutes. Go outside, take a couple of breaths, get some sunshine, and get back into it. Yeah. Last thing uh, I'll ask is sort of like uh, just for me, because uh, I can't quiet the monkey mind. This is like a term that you know and you use because, I don't know, my brain's just kind of too loud <laughs> when I sit down to meditate. I know you can tell. I'm a real uh, introverted person. But what are some of the effective strategies for people like me who are quieting that monkey mind so they can, they can actually do some of the things that you're talking about? What's, what's a tactic here? Yeah. So think about when you do things that are automatic pilot, right? Have you ever driven from one location to another and you say, 
how did I get here? All the way right? here, yes. Right? <laughs> so there are many things that we do automatically, and we don't take the moment to really be mindful of the moment that we're in. So for quieting the monkey mind means get out of autopilot and be present in the moment, without judging the moment, but be present in the moment. Because if you can do that for yourself, it helps you to downregulate that central nervous system. Get your amyg amygdala to calm down so you're not in that kind of infl inflamed state. Your tissue is not quite as inflamed. And the practices in integrative therapy can be movement practices, right? If you enjoy yoga, Pilates, if you like to, uh, you know, do mindful walking, go for a walk, but don't be on your phone, right? We're so distracted and outside of ourselves. And our, our other guest here mentioned that internal locus of control. That's how you tap into your ability to stay present and your patients will feel it. And at the end of the day, you're not gonna go home completely burnt out if you can take care of yourself just in these small practices. It doesn't have to be a huge time commitment. Yeah. All right, you ready to play uh, three questions? Oh, I think so. You think I so. hope you're, so. You're ready to play <laughs> On the hot seat with three questions on the PT Pinecast. All right. Joanne, you once chose a seminar by John Barnes, who we mentioned earlier, over a private concert with Lenny Kravitz. What? <laughs> Ooh. Unique jump ball there, but all right. <laughs> what drives your passion towards something like that to choose over, you know, Mr. Lenny Kravitz? Yeah, well, let me tell you, I love music, but uh, I love our profession. I love being a PT. I feel like the lifelong learning goes on. And I'll be honest, back in the 1990s, I used to get the flyers to go to John Barnes' courses, but I was working on a trauma unit, and I was like, ah, I'm the myofascial release. I'm not doing that. And then I came to a point where... I was realizing, huh, I think I need more work on this. And I went to one of his seminars and I found it really resonated for me. And so for me, the fact that it was within my price range and it was local, <laughs> I was able to fit it into my schedule. There was no question. So my family went to Lenny Kravitz and I hung with John uh, Barnes. I was going to ask, like, did, you sell, <laughs> did you sell them on StubHub or did you scalp them? Like, you know, no, that's my, no, 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 no. All right, no. that's okay. Yeah. Uh, second, second, third, uh, second of three questions. I'll stay with the rock star theme. If you could collaborate on a therapy <laughs> session with any musician, alive, dead, who would it be and why? You know, I originally asked you the, uh, was thinking, hmm, live or dead. But I'm going to choose somebody who is a current musician who I happen to love his creativity, his energy, so it would be Harry Styles. Oh, Harry Styles, <laughs> there you go. I you love him. <laughs> way to know your audience. <laughs> Gonna have a squad just by the time you leave. Just being honest, I'm just yeah. saying, there I love go. him. Uh, third, third question, three questions. If you hadn't become a physical therapist, what profession would have intrigued you so much that you'd gone to that and why? So this is an ironic question because I didn't know what PT was when I was an undergrad. I was a bio major. And so I didn't even know what physical therapy was. So I was a teaching major. I, that was, I wanted to teach biology. And then I got into physical therapy and I was like, I'm in. And now I am so gifted and blessed that I get to teach and be a physical therapist. Yeah. So. Because it's so wide. I, I, you know, I often talk you know, from a communications marketing standpoint, uh, one of the strengths about the profession is it's so wide, right? right? The spectrum is so wide. And one of the weaknesses is it's so wide, it's hard to nail <laughs> down. But this license that you'll all get, all of you, because you're studying this weekend, right? Yeah. You can kind of go anywhere. So last thing, this, you know, this isn't one of the three questions, but you've done a ton of different things. Like, how do, you, how do you do like the sped up snapshot and let people in the audience know like all the different places in our profession that you've touched? Fed up snapshot 
in terms of why I chose where I oh, was. Oh no, no, the different settings. I want I want oh, I right. want you to talk Oof. about the settings. Yeah. All right. Let's let's start out. I was in New York. I was at um, New York Hospital at the time. They've now merged with Columbia. Um, and I was on the trauma unit there. I did all rotations through there. Then I was a short-term rehab. Uh, I did home care in New York. And then I came, moved to Connecticut. I was up at Danbury Hospital. Then I came here into Fairfield. I was with Rehab Associates. And I consulted. I was on the acute care floor uh, over at St. Vincent's. And I've done outpatient work, uh, neuro ortho, and lymphedema. It would have been an easier question to ask what you hadn't done. I think yeah. the shorter list, <laughs> right? And how many licenses? One license, right? You do all one, that stuff with one, one license. license. Yep. It's kind of crazy. Although a lot of, um, I will say, one license, but ongoing continuing education. You are lifelong learners, and it is so fun because things are changing so fast, and it's so amazing. All right, Joanne, you ready to do your parting shot? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. This is shot. the parting shot. All right, mic drop moment, soapbox statement you've got to have one what just pick one i'm going to say this and i'm going to say you know what self-care is not a luxury it is a necessity the science is out there you have to take care of your nervous system it affects your mind it affects your body do these practices and share them with your patients there's so many ways that we can impart this kind of health to our patients ladies and gentlemen tear it for joanne Rock on. You have a squad by the end of the squad. day. Have your own squad. We'll be making signs for you. All right. Give it a good mix. we got more pint glasses. And then we have some Hypervolt uh, percussion massagers to give away. You guys even wrap them? Look at that. A little bow on it. That's fantastic. 691245. Oh, really? 245. Bring it on in. The squad has been rewarded. Make a sign, get a pint glass. All right, home stretch before we go get some uh, some eats. Let's do this thing. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes, yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. Our final guest tonight, the owner of Dynamic Edge Physiotherapy and Wellness and Cryotherapy, a visionary who is reshaping the landscape of PT through innovative business strategies. His journey from an uncertain start to creating a thriving practice is a story of resilience, ingenuity, and a deep commitment to the profession. Let's welcome Pat Buckley. Hey, hey. I don't know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna follow up after these guys. I know, yeah. It's tough. It's it's not a one of them brought their own squad, so that's not a that's I should have had a squad. Go. Did you bring a squad? Yeah, right you got there. A, there you go. Thank you. All right. No signs. No sign. That's okay. That's all right. Um all right, Pat. So small business is, was yes. in your was in your intro, right? So not just a clinician, you also need to think about this thing, this living, breathing thing that is a business. Why are small businesses, specifically in the world of physical therapy, why are they so significant, particularly in terms of providing quality care? Because that's why we got into it. Well, I think I think two two big things is anybody here can start a small business whether it's um, a small outpatient practice like mine or doing something online and doing it you know, <coughs> virtually. Podcast, whatever. Doing yeah, a podcast, anything, anything whatever it may be. You can do it. Like Anybody can do it. You just have to put your, you know, your time, effort, uh, do your research, get all the uh, information that you need to do it, and then you can do it. So it's like it's, you know, everybody can do it. Um, number two, I always think like you know, if my grandma needed a hip replacement and needed PT after, where would I say you should go? Right. Right? Am I going to send her to the huge conglomerate place that maybe has like, you know, 13 clinicians and, and 62 clinics all over the, you know, the, the East Coast and, you know, or are they going to find, am I going to ask her to go find out the place that maybe is a little bit more 
family oriented and a little bit more interested in her care uh, and just wants to take care of her on a personal level. Um, so that's where I'm going to kind of look out for her. And that's, that's kind of what I like to, to think that we provide um, is just, you know, that personalized, small, loving hug. I'm going to pause after the hug. You got to let them, because she got an awe. When you mention kids, though, it's the awe. All right, so maybe you touched on this, right? Maybe it was thinking about people, like your grandmother, as you mentioned. But what, made it, what motivated you to open a wellness and cryotherapy division? You were like, hey, we've got this you know, yeah. clinical care thing down. Yep. And how has this pivot like sort of helped in addressing the challenges of insurance-based PT? We're not going to pretend like it doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think insurance... Can I say the word sucks? Yes, you can. Okay, insurance sucks. I mean, every day they're decreasing. You know, we just have another Medicare cut happening. Like, they're just de decreasing reimbursements on a regular basis for us, um, which is terrible. Mm. Um, so we got to kind of pivot, and we got to find other tools and other things out there that people are interested in paying for to help make up the difference in cost. Um, so that's why I developed a wellness clinic, and my wellness office, you know, offers some really great things. We do uh, assisted stretching, um, which people love to pay for. There's stretch bars opening up all over the place. There's massage envy doing stretches, which is weird to me. Mm -hmm. um, so why wouldn't I provide, you know, from a physical therapy basis, an appropriate stretching location where people can get stretched uh, safely? Um, I also brought in whole body cryotherapy. Whole body cryotherapy is crazy and cold. Yeah, right. Know. You ever tried it? I have not. Will you come down? Maybe. <laughs> It's, as it's long as I can put like something warm on afterwards, I'm a warm guy. Well, I, I have a warm thing. I All have right, an well, infrared sauna. Then I'm you in. Can, yes, you can jump in the infrared sauna afterwards. So these are these are tools out there that are, you know, biohacking tools or, or whatever you want to call it. But they're they're wellness tools and they're and they're out there to help you know people recover, feel better, uh, decrease their inflammation, um, you know, improve their mood and and help with relaxation and and you know mindfulness because. You know, I go in the sauna a couple times a week and I just kind of like numb out and I just zone out, put my music on and, and I get my 30 minutes to myself when really it's hard to find time to do that. But, sure. you know, getting getting that time in that, that sauna was great. So, so it, um, sound, it sounds as if and I'm going to boil things down to emotion, right? That's the yeah. quick. It sounds as if you paid attention to what people were trying, seeking and you said, well, this is a way. It doesn't have to be the only way, but these are potential ways. I feel like there's a theme there between you guys. Totally. Totally. I think, I think there's many, many ways. Yeah. Uh, this was just the way for me to, f to, to try something different, and, and that was my pivot. How long ago was that? Um, I think it was six months. Six, okay, so we're still yeah. in it. We're oh still yeah. in the, we're at the beginning of the freeze. We're in good. The and we're doing it. The squad is nodding, so it's going well, six I'm assuming. Months. Yes. Yeah, good. No, Double good. thumbs up. Awesome. They love the cold. They love the cold. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> um, you mentioned sort of, you know, large in terms of volume, right? Like clinics in terms of, of, of volume and numbers. In a market that may be saturated with big players, we're in the New York metro area. There's sure. a lot of things going on here. How do you ensure your practice stands out, especially in the wellness segment or the clinical segment? Like, how do you. How do you make sure that people understand what value they get? Yeah, uh, I think from a volume standpoint, sure, there's a number. We got to keep the lights on and whatever. But uh, I, I leave it up to my clinicians to figure out whether or not this patient needs a full one-on-one -on -one for an hour or if they can fit into the 30-minute model that we have. Um, I leave it up to them to make that clinical decision, and I think that's important because it comes down to, obviously, our clinical decision to see who needs the one hour, who needs the 30 minutes, and, and uh, being able to provide that, being flexible enough to, to do that is, is, in my eyes, what makes us different and what, you know, supplies that warm hug. Right. You it know? sounds as if you paid attention to the values and you showed sure. them, not just said them. Yeah. 
Because I, th- I think people get locked up and they sort of get, they get stuck in it. Well, what do I have to say, right? Like, look at any, I mean, school, PT clinic, anything. There's your mission statement and your values and mantras. We've got a lot of things going on on oh, websites. Yeah. But again, be a critical consumer and watch what someone does, not necessarily what they say. Right. Right. I think, I think that and, and doing you and not doing what everybody else does. So what does that, what does doing you mean do to you? you? Do I, uh, Me or you? You do you. You do you. you, do you. Okay, all right. You do you, right? Like I, I just say, do you, do what you feel is is necessary and right, and don't do what you know the insurance is guiding us to do, and don't do you know d- don't do everything that uh, that everybody else is doing, right? right? Sometimes it's good to be different and good to differentiate yourself that right. way. So go, go Th- there is that big hairy monster of insurance, and that does suck. And you know, my rule is if something goes, I mean, I had a crappy day today before I came here, but I knew I was coming here, so I was going to chill out. But you're allowed 24, in my mind, you're like 24 hours to have a pity party. And then after 24 hours, it's like, well, now we need to do something about it. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody from insurance companies listen to my podcast. Probably a hard no. But people who can do stuff are. So you can complain about it for 24 hours, and then you've got to do something about it. And it feels like you said, great, we're going to do something about it. Yeah, every day we're trying to do something about it. Gotta, okay. Got to beat the, you know, beat the insurance companies, right? You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Just go around, <laughs> right? Right? Over, under, around, between. Well, that's the pivot. I mean, and your pivot doesn't have to be like my pivot. Mine was a little bit of a big kind of stretch. I, I went and bought this crazy machine, right? And, and it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, right. You can do a nutrition. You can do, you know, anything. You can do yeah. personal training. You know, use your use your skills that you have and and pivot. I'll, I'll talk about a pivot at the end too, and I'll save it. But but, but before we, while we still have you, no. what advice would you give to new grads who were tempted by you know big offers, right? The bottom line. I'm paying attention to whatever the number is in bold. And what are the perks of doing you and starting a small family-run business that they might overlook? What are some things that they might, positives that they might not see? Yeah, so, uh, so Tom said it quite nicely is, is when, you're, when you're looking for a new, a new gig, you know, make sure you find the fit for you. Uh, and yeah, the money is important, right? We all have to live. It's Fairfield County. It's expensive. You guys are going to have loans, right? It's um, true. The number is important, right? We have to be reimbursed for what we do. Um, but at the same time, you got to look at all the other little things. What is what is the you know the culture within the office like? Is it is it something that you're going to fit into and feel comfortable in? Um, what are some other perks that that are out there, right? Like, um, do they offer tuition reimbursement, right? Uh, which I think is a huge thing for for us who have huge loans. Um, you know, what's the time off like? Uh, is your schedule flexible? Um, look into the little things that don't actually equate to a number on that bottom line. Um, and I think that's super important, right? Um, you know, every day we want to make money and, and do our, you know, live life. But I, I say it to my, my staff all the time is, you know, we don't work to live. We live, no, other way. We, yeah, we don't live it. to work. We I'll work edit that out. Don't worry about right? it. So we have, to, we have to work so that we can live, but it's not our whole goal is working. Like, find, find what fits you and yeah. then therefore you can live your life and have your... Um, your work-life balance and and you know feel comfortable going yeah. to work. I said before I, we before we started, I was like, I understood in radio I wasn't going to make a lot of money, but I did mention I could wear cargo shorts and a Guns N' Roses T-shirt every day. That's, that's pretty. And sweet. that didn't that. that was a little weird to wear the same band every day. But it was it was it was what what am I going to be excited enough to get out of bed for on the crappy days yeah. when it gets hard because it is work's work. Right, and if you can make it something that you're really willing to go through, Seth Godin's a business writer. He calls it the dip. He's like the dip's going to come in an idea, in a company, in a, in a career, right. and what it is makes a big difference. Of will you, if you're willing to plow through the dip. Yeah, and I, I was told once by by a mentor of mine. Uh, he says if if you can go to work every day, 
and not feel like it's work it's and you love it then it's you're not actually going to work yeah you know what i mean it's just it's just something you do every day that you love so right find what you love find the place that you love doing it and then you'll be fine any place with nerf guns i'm just gonna say i wish instant. i had nerf guns i mean there's no reason you couldn't have nerf guns it feels like an arsenal wouldn't be bad at put the it, clinic put right it on the list um guns. last thing i want to i want to ask you uh is we'll look to the future it sounds like you're pretty future thinking and you're thinking about down the road giving the evolving landscape of pt it's evolving all the time. What is the future of the profession, particularly like practices like yours? What does that look like? Uh, I hope that it grows more and more in the small private practice fields, um, whether it's a specialty private practice or, you know, a general outpatient orthopedic. I hope it grows because um, the large things out there, the large big companies out there, unless there's nothing against it, I guess, right? but, you know, they come in and they, and they take over and, it, and, it, and they change it up so that they can pay off their big investors uh, and they're just working you to the bone and, and, and I feel like that's just not the way. Um, so I really hope that there's more small private practice everywhere that can collaborate and create um, this network of great care outside of these huge, large conglomerates, um, these physician-owned practices, um, even the hospital-based stuff. Um, and I just think it's it's possible if, sounds, if we do it. Sounds like know the people in your neighborhood and have oh, a really great neighborhood. Yeah. Who are the people in your... You have must sing that song twice a week, right? Yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, Pat, you selected to play a fun game called 60 Second PT. Are yeah. you ready to play 60 Second PT? I, I think so. All right, let's do it. All right, 60 Second PT, 60 seconds on the clock. Give me a rough <laughs> estimate here of 60 seconds. Just Shoot. scream or wave, raise your hands. Shoot. Are you ready? You know it's a PT. Always have a stopwatch ready. You got to have a stopwatch. All right. Here we go. Tom, uh, your, uh, Pat, your 60-second PT starts now. Summarize your business philosophy in just three words. Can I do five words? You can do, sure. Good people doing good things. All right. What's the biggest misconception about owning a PT practice? We make tons of money. Yeah. All right. Favorite <laughs> aspect of running a wellness and cryotherapy center? I get to utilize it all. What's one trend in PT that excites you the most? Uh, nutrition. Okay. How do you measure success in your practice? Happiness. What's a common mistake new PT business owners make? They try to do everything. What's your go-to method for stress relief? I drive in silence. Okay. In one sentence, what advice would you give to a PT just starting their career? Do you. Do you. Yeah. What's a, uh, how do you stay inspired when faced with business challenges? How many? Two seconds. We'll let you finish the answer, John. What was How do you stay inspired in the face of business challenges? Uh, I read a lot of business stuff to help keep me motivated. All right. Last thing we do on the show is called The Parting Shot. This is The Parting Shot. All right. Mic drop moment, soapbox statement, because we have a we have a happy hour to go to thanks to uh, High Bar Physical Therapy and the drinks are cold. So last thing you want to leave with the audience. Uh, what you see on social media is all false. Ooh. I mean, not all of it, but, but a we're lot recording of, but a this. Lot of it. We're a recording. Lot of this it. is real. Except I mean, this. This is real. You look at a lot of the stuff that you see on making money on social media and and all these influencers and all this BS that's out there, and I, I I just laugh at it. So don't fall into those and just do you and 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 find what fits you. Yeah, I say be influential, not an influencer. Yeah, right. For How sure. can I be I like influential? That. And you can do that with a camera and a microphone and someone recording you from the front row or or not. Um, but I like that, which is, yeah, it's, well, it's also the highlight reel, right? 
I mean, how often do you see losses on social media? Never. It's always the Never. dancing, it's all the happy and sunshine, TikToking, and, yeah. and we're you know holding up signs and Money we've got squads. Whatever, it's not like that. All right, let's hear it for Pat. This is the PT Pinecast.